R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Reemployability. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we'd like to help bring attention to this issue that affects one in four women nationally and one in three women globally. At Reemployability, we're donating a percent of every referral processed in the month of October to The Spring, a domestic violence shelter and nonprofit that provides services in Tampa, Florida. This is the final week of REA Audio's four-part feature of The Spring, and please know there are similar organizations where you live. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please Google your state name and the words Domestic Violence Coalition for resources similar to The Spring near you. Mindy, thanks for coming back for the fourth in our series of podcasts on REA Audio about uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, where Mindy is the president and CEO of The Spring of Tampa Bay, which is a domestic violence shelter and also offers a myriad of services that we talked about in the previous few weeks. Mindy, before we talk about how this whole facility is able to operate, can you tell us a little bit about what the process looks like to get somebody into your service? If someone calls that hotline yep. uh, at two o'clock in the morning and they need to get out and they're ready to get out, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's a series, uh, you know, <clears throat> with all of the domestic violence centers, some, we're, we're a bigger center than some others. So you're always juggling availability of, of rooms and beds um, in your shelter and trying to figure that out. But, but the bottom line is the hotline is also the screening for a lot of us is also the screening tool for shelter. And so there's a series of questions that we're asking, um, trying to identify if there are any other safe options because really fleeing to emergency shelter should be your last option because it's a communal living environment. You know, it's, it's not a lot of fun, even though we try and make it as lovely as possible to be in a communal living environment. It's like being in a you know college dorm, but with your kids in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ask a series of screening questions. If we identify that you're, you know, that you are in fear of your life, it's not safe for you any longer. Um, you know, he is out and about. It's not like he's, you know, in, sitting in, in jail or, or prison. Um, and there aren't any other safe options for you. Then you're going to get screened in um, for shelter, and we're going to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, what that looks like and how you're going to get to to the spring safely. Um, for our pop practice, you know, we will keep a bed available, a, a room available for you for up to 48 hours. Um, if for some reason you don't come in in that 48 hours, it doesn't mean that like now you can't ever come in. You might call back two days later and say, I wasn't able to leave, it wasn't safe, you know, he was on to me. And we're gonna go through that process again. We're gonna hold a, a room for you. So and that's kind of how it works. And I think for most of the centers around the state of Florida, that's kind of the process. Um, the only challenges are sometimes when you're full or over capacity, mm-hmm. um, kind of trying to triage. Uh, some of us are able to um, access some other dollars for some other temporary resources in that situation. Our goal is to try to make sure if somebody's in danger and fleeing, um, that we're gonna get them the help that they need um, if, there, if there aren't any other options. So then they're in shelter and then the process begins. How does that happen? Like, how do they get here? Do, do, is um, the, are the police involved? Do they get here on their own? How does that It work? depends. So law enforcement in the state of Florida is required to give information to, when they're called out for a domestic violence um, disturbance, they are required to give, the statutorily required to give the information about the certified domestic violence center that serves their service area. So if, um, if they give that information to a victim on a law enforcement call and the victim wants to seek shelter, then they will place a call 
with the victim, the victim will get on the phone and talk with us and you know, we'll make those screening decisions. And then law enforcement can actually transport them to the shelter. So, you know, maybe a third of the of the survivors might arrive via law enforcement. Uh, the remaining survivors are arriving either with their own vehicle, some of them have vehicles, maybe 25% have vehicles, um, or public transportation. We have a place where they we tell them to go <coughs> that is secure and safe. Um, and so we direct them to like it's to the last you know there, there's a last mile that comes after sure, that sure. we direct them to a location that is safe and secure to mm -hmm. make sure they're not being followed mm -hmm. uh, and then once they get there our partner there um, uh, places a call gotcha. and then we can either go pick them up or mm -hmm. if they're driving their own vehicle then they can uh -huh. uh, they then we give them the last set of directions for right. that last space right. Um, I was so super impressed by the facility and the operation here. In no way, uh, reemployability has worked with the Spring for yeah. for some time. Uh, sure. Deborah Livingston, our our CEO, is is on the board for the Spring, so yes, we're is. very involved. And uh, I've heard the Spring talked about. Uh, in, in the time that I've been with reemployability, but never really understood the scope of what it mm -hmm. is that you do. And and so I appreciate for the time yeah. that we had today to do that. What does it take to operate this place? Oh, I mean, <laughs> so how, how do you how do you raise funds and how can people yeah. help? Um, I mean, there are, um, so for most of the, the, you know, certified domestic violence centers or centers that are like part of that network of, of you know, estate coalitions centers often um, are able to then access some financial resources, go government resources federally. So there's Victims of Crime Act funding, VOCA funding, um, and VAWA, Violence Against Women Act funding that can flow down to domestic violence centers. Um, and certainly a lot of domestic violence centers around the country receive some state funds and also receive local government funds. We receive government funds from the county, from the city, from the state of Florida, um, and from the federal government. And then we blend those, you know, those, those public dollars uh, with a mix of, of private dollars that come from individual donors, um, from corporate uh, groups, um, from private foundations. Uh, when I started nine and a half years ago, we were about a 50-50 split, which is my dream is to be about 50% public funded, 50% um, privately funded. Um, over time, our public resources have outpaced our, our private resources, primarily because we've done some really incredible things, like start a nine-person law, you know, essentially mm -hmm. a nine-person law firm right. um, in 2017, and that is a, a government-funded um, thing and needs to have a, an underpinning of government dollars, just given the nature of what it is. So we're now more like a 70-30 split. My goal is to get us back at least to about 40% um, private funding. Uh, but it's kind of one donor and one dollar at a time. Right. Uh, and you know we've got some incredibly generous big, big gifts. And then we've got a whole bunch of people who give $100 or $1,000 annually or $25 every month um, and just are incredibly supportive. And you know year in and year out, that money comes in. Uh, so we blend it all together and, um, and create our, our funding mix that supports the services that mm -hmm. we provide. What are some of the bigger events that you all hold? We have two incredible events. Um, Reemployability actually sponsors uh, one of them as one of the presenting sponsors. One is called Handbags and Happy Hour. So it's about 400 women um, and some men um, who do a kind of a gals night out uh, with gently used handbags that we can collect all year from the community. We have two or three hundred um, handbags, um, you know, kind of the everyday brands um, uh, all the way up to like Valentino and, and Chanel and like handbags that are worth four or five uh, thousand dollars. We auction them off along with some other things. We had this awesome charbroil grill last year that was brand new in the box. Um, so 
uh, we we auctioned things off and raised almost $190,000 in net profit last year. The other event we have is actually in the month of October, uh, and it's our Gift of Peace, our 31st annual Gift of Peace luncheon, and that is kind of our awareness luncheon where individuals and corporations sponsor a table, you bring your friends, and it's an opportunity to hear usually from some survivors and some experts in the field about domestic violence, a deeper dive into the services we provide, and then you can give some money um, when we do the ask at the end of the event. So that nets about $155,000 to $165,000. So those are our two big fundraising events, um, but again, a lot of our fundraising is just those private annual gifts, um, both from smaller donors and larger donors. And then the other thing every center needs is stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are committed when a survivor comes to us to make sure that they have clothing, that they have toiletries. Um, and when we talk about toiletries, we're talking about toiletries for all folks from all races and ethnicities. Um, so we really tried to make sure that we're diversifying um, all of the stuff that you need so that it's culturally um, sensitive, you know, age appropriate, gender appropriate, um, culturally appropriate. So there's a lot of stuff that we provide to families while they're in shelter with us. Then also when they leave shelter, and they're moving into their own apartment that we've maybe helped them secure. Uh, we want to make sure that they've got beds and sofas and dressers and pots and pans and you know everything that you need in your own house. Uh, we want to make sure that they have. Uh, so there's a huge need for stuff and corporations can get involved at their local domestic violence center by doing drives for pillows. I mean, back before the pandemic, we would go through 3,000 pillows a year. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people need. Um, and if you think about what you need in your household and you apply that, to, you know, by a factor of 10 or 20 or 100, uh, you get a sense of how much stuff uh, flows through domestic violence centers directly in the hands of survivors. Uh, at Reemployability, we're going to be yeah. doing a, a program in October because of Domestic yeah. Violence Awareness Month called uh, Referrals for Peace, uh -huh. and we're going to give a percentage of every referral that we bring in for the for what we do uh, and donate it to the spring. So we're Fantastic. trying to get involved as much yeah. as we possibly can, right. uh, and 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 do our best to, to help. And, and we again appreciate yeah. the opportunity to do this. Um, Volunteers. Sure. So certainly it's a sensitive thing here. You did right. mention a thrift shop. What if somebody wants to get involved volunteer-wise? Yeah. yeah, and our biggest um, mechanism for volunteers, given the fact that we are very protective of mm -hmm. the people we serve because of the, it's, the violence is still ever present, right? It's you've still they've fled, but there's still a batterer who could be seeking to do harm. So we're very protective of, of the people we serve. So we have limited direct service volunteer activities, but we have a huge need, you know, daily ongoing need in our donation center and thrift store. We actually have a um, a volunteer platform that you can, if you visit our website, thespring.org, you can log in into our volunteer hub and you can sign up for a shift in our donation center, sorting stuff that's donated, that's brought in. Um, sometimes we do, we'll do corporate groups. They might come and do a special activity with families in shelter. Maybe it's a backyard barbecue or, um, you know, organize some Halloween costumes and gifts, things like that our occasional direct service volunteer activities, but for the most part it is through our thrift store donation center. And I would say a lot of domestic violence centers have thrift stores and donation centers. And you know you have a team that staffs them, but you also then rely heavily on volunteers. We wouldn't be able to run if we didn't have volunteers at our thrift and donation center. So that's a great way to get involved, um, to either host a drive or to go volunteer as a group um, at, at the donation center um, for your local domestic violence center and, and help them. Um, and the other things, like one of the re employability uh, senior staff members, her family owns um, 
a uh, uh, like a farm, a grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the pandemic hit, and you know, so much product was sitting fallow in the fields because you're used to having the foot foot track of traffic of people coming mm-hmm. to buy um, produce she donated like thousands of dollars worth of produce so there's so many ways that um, companies uh, big and small uh, mom-and-pop shops all the way up to big corporate America can get involved um, with whatever resource you have you know it could probably be deployed in, in a DV center and we we ate well for a few weeks I because bet, of that I gift. Bet. yeah yeah a lot of, a lot of citrus right? <laughs> there was a ton of citrus <laughs> and then there were all those like little candies from the gift shop yes, that we yeah, like turned right. into that was perfect because we had Easter baskets using oh, those nice, candies nice. and then I think we made it all the way through Halloween with the candy that's so, terrific yeah. that's terrific Mindy can you remind us one more time if somebody wants to find a shelter or a service like this in their mm-hmm. area what's the best way to do that and we will post this yeah. with the posting the podcast so you'll sure. be able to find it as well yeah I would say um, whatever state you're in go you know Google your state name um, you know uh, Kansas uh, domestic violence coalition if you Google those words together um, you know uh, Utah domestic violence coalition ups gonna pop the state coalition every state has a state um, coalition recognized by the federal government as the designated coalition and those coalitions are the repository of all the domestic violence service providers in the state so on that website for that state coalition there would be a listing of by usually by county or by city Here's the domestic violence center that, that you know we recommend in, in your area. So it should be really easy to find the domestic violence center that serves your community uh, and reach out to them and get involved. We are always looking for people to help us financially um, and with donated goods and services. Minnie, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking so much of your time to talk to us. Um, domestic Violence Awareness Month is definitely a time to bring attention. And, and I truly hope that if we talk again next year that, yeah. uh, or even before that, that we're able to say that there's been some impact and, and sure. some of those numbers have been lessened a little bit. I hope yeah. we put you out of business. I, I hope so too. <laughs> That's our dream. Yeah. Thank you. Spring. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. Email Todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content, including webinars, at listentorea.com. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please Google your state name and the words Domestic Violence Coalition for resources similar to the spring near you. Next week, we'll change gears a bit and talk with Bill Edson, who's a leadership coach and the owner of Guide On Strategies. We'll talk about some approaches you can put into place today to make you a better leader. Because leadership isn't about your title. It's about how you interact with others every day. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.